Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Thank you for the download today. We are doing an emergency podcast, and I have Molly Kelly with me from Zenium. Hello. Molly, we're going to talk about the new legislation that's been passed uh, at the federal level, the FLSA uh, new regs. I don't even know what you'd call it. What, what do you, what do you <laughs> final, call it? Final the regulations. Final regulations. Yeah. So um, uh, just to kind of give listeners some insight, so on May 18th, President Obama and Secretary Perez, they announced the publication of the Department of Labor's final rule. And this has been going on for a long yeah, time. Yeah, two years. Actually. So two years, we've been you've been patiently waiting. We'll get to yeah. that in a little bit. But uh, this basically updating the overtime regulations, which will automatically extend overtime pay protections to over four million workers. Yeah. So it's impacting a lot of people, it's and that's massive. probably why it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be implemented sometime, and we'll, you'll talk about yeah, that. But totally. this is huge news. So it is. what's the fuss? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I want to correct you on something very <laughs> yes. important. You mentioned that I've been patiently waiting. I have not You've been, not patiently been patiently waiting. waiting. No, I have yeah. been impatiently waiting. <laughs> um, and this is this has been kind of a, a hard... Um, Hard road to hoe, and many of my clients will admit to that, that, you know, we we got news um, two years ago that this change was potentially coming, but no specifics. And until the Department of Labor released their final, 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 final regulations, um, just this last, you know, Tuesday, actually, Wednesday yeah. morning, um, we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, so it's well, really, it's and hard we had, to prepare. We had Dan Grimfus on the podcast yeah. a few months back, and he was he's so knowledgeable about all this, but even Absolutely. he was saying... I mean, he's an attorney, and yeah. he's—I mean—he's read everything there is to know about this. And he was even saying, "We just don't know. What the, yeah. We know it's going to happen, but we don't know what the the result's going to be." So we yeah. have the result now. We have the result. Yeah, and that actually was a personal point of pride. When Dan doesn't know what's going on, it makes me feel a little bit better, you know. And yet we could kind of get some sense of where things were going. So mm-hmm. there's going to be we'll later talk about you know some of the surprises that you know didn't things that we are expecting that didn't happen. But basically, the HR community and many employers have been watching this train coming down the track for almost two years now. (laughs) It started in 2014. Big train, you know, teeny tiny track and no sense of what's happening. But what we're talking about is the Federal Fair Labor Standards Act. That's a technical name. Yep, it affects all states, all employers. Um, And basically what we're talking about is most employees that are covered by this must be paid at least one and a half times their regular rate. Um, of pay for any hours they work over 40. And that varies a little bit by state. Mm-hmm. You know, I know California, for instance, it's overtime after eight hours in a day. So that not necessarily, you know, getting attached to that 40 hours. So you want to make sure you're looking at your state-specific laws. Um, but essentially, that's the, the nexus of this and what the specific element we're talking about is specific to overtime. So back in 2014, President Obama directed the Secretary of Labor to update this overtime pay protections, to, to kind of simplify the overtime rules 
um, and they publish their first their notice of proposed rulemaking. So they, they love to give you, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to hmm. do this soon, this is what we might do. And it, it lots prepares of chances. the business community <laughs> yeah. at least. Yeah. You'd think, you'd think, right? right? But yeah, we're still seeing thing. shock and awe right now. So, <laughs> um, so essentially they did that um, in July 6th of 2015. They, they published their notice of proposed rulemaking, which was kind of the first, this is what we think we might do. They invited interested parties to submit their comments um, by September 4th of 2015. And I think this is amazing. They received over 270,000 comments um, in response to this and the proposed changes. And some of them were supportive and some of them, a lot of them were from yeah. you know, other folks that were really concerned about it. And so. I can imagine there'd be people on both sides of the aisle on this one. But would you fair, is it fair to say that this is probably a very outdated law and that's why they're addressing it now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, you know, the there was a um, an adjustment and I wasn't even aware of this until I really mm. started researching mm. this for the podcast, but there was actually an adjustment um, you know, previously um, that, you know, happened, I think in 2014, I'm sorry, not 2014. 2004. Uh, 2004. Thank you. Getting my dates. I remember. I remember up. reading that somewhere. Yeah, there yeah. was a, an adjustment back then. But this is by far the most massive shift that we've had, and it's it's catching up, you know, for years of inflation. Um, so basically, the the kind of tests that we look at when we're deciding who is subject to overtime, meaning you know not exempt from overtime or non-exempt or another commonly used phrase is hourly employees. Um, versus, I hear that one quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, versus who is salaried or exempt from overtime, meaning they're they're you know not not subject to overtime. Um, we look at both what they're doing, the amount of discretion they have or independence that they own their in their duties. Um, typically, for most positions, that's something that we're looking at. Um, and then the other piece is just at very base level, they have to be making X amount of dollars. So. Um, for what, what is that threshold? Yeah, so for current regulations until December of this year, the white collar employee exemptions must be paid four hundred and fifty five dollars per week, which most of us don't think of it in terms of weekly pay. We're no, thinking about annual, so it is or mo- even monthly pay or monthly pay. Yeah, most for you know household budgets or monthly, monthly cash flow. Yep, yep. So that annual amount, if you take that four hundred and fifty five per week, mm-hmm. it, it you know is the equivalent of twenty three thousand six hundred and sixty dollars. Okay. That's not very high. That's that's no. essentially a pretty low threshold. So and actually, I haven't heard anybody argue with that. So and so let me understand this. Yeah, that that threshold is the the minimum in which yep. you can be a salary right. exempt employee. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And the feeling, meaning. I could work 60 hours a week and I wouldn't, and, it, yep. and the employer would not be at risk of any wage and hour laws. We wouldn't necessarily owe you overtime provided your job duties meet some other tests. So there's yeah. a series of tests that are um, available. We use this all the time at Zenium yeah. and, and attorneys are referring to this that are carved out by the Fair Labor Standards like Act. duties testing. Yeah, your job has like to, your job description, not the job title. Mm. The job description has to meet certain criteria. And, and that was actually something else we were expecting. If you talk about one of the surprises, we thought there would be a shift in terms of the job duties as well, that you had to spend, you know, for instance, with a manager, 50% of your time managing people, 50% or more. Wow. Most people are working managers, so that would have been Absolutely. a big change. That, would be... that didn't actually get included at this time. Yeah. So, so they're really focused right now on that salary piece, that we're looking at the money piece, the base, baseline yeah. for qualification, basically. So um, what, what happens is essentially the, the official rules, the big changes, as of December 1st of 2016. Meaning 
this is an effect. This is an effect. Yes, December. In so December right 1st. now we understand, and you're going to talk about the yes. what it, what's going to. Right. But just so it's very clear, explicitly clear, December first is when employers need to have need a, to have have okay. a have a an actual effective date of changes. Write those, that down. Yeah, write that down. <laughs> December first, which always seems to be the case, and that's great for for companies that are on a you know a calendar year financially or fiscally. Many aren't, so that makes it a little bit more confusing. But basically, the three you know, main or three or four main changes are the the salary, the new standard salary level is set at the 40th percentile of earnings for full-time salaried workers in the lowest wage region. So what they did was they basically said, where in our country are we typically seeing the lowest wages? And that was actually the South. So so they basically, let me see if I understand this correctly. Yeah. They're taking the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, yep. probably salary data. Exactly. Isn't regionally it usually, isn't usually outdated by a year or two no. you know actually i don't know that's a good thought it probably is yeah so if you're talking 40 percentile maybe it's even low I, yeah. anyway there's probably a different uh, yeah. discussion but they're taking the 40th percentile of the federal data yeah okay in a certain region in the lowest region so the when we take region. the lowest of the low so yeah, they're giving the employers the, the benefit of the doubt yep, to a exactly extent then essentially that number that they landed on, the new number, you know, in case you were just getting attached to that 23,660, yeah. the new number effective December 1st to qualify for white collar exemption um, would be $47,476 annually. So or I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a math genius, but yeah. that's double what it was. Yeah, before. yeah. That's why, that's why for many employers that haven't been kind of tracking this and um, for smaller companies, nonprofits, you know, that, that essentially don't have a lot of wiggle room in the budget or maybe are, are, you know, kind of getting by with a more robust benefits package or something like that, mm -hmm. the sky is falling. You know, this yeah. is a huge shift. So that's nine hundred. There, there are some things employers can do, and we'll talk about yeah. that in a little yeah. bit. So we have what, a plan. What we have else? A plan. Yeah, we have a plan for you. <laughs> what else has changed? So the other um, changes were there was also a requirement around um, the the compensation total comp total annual compensation requirement for highly compensated employees, um, then that that number had to be it was actually at I think a hundred thousand I don't actually have data on yeah, that I right now that something around there and it now is one hundred and thirty four thousand and four dollars don't forget that extra four dollars so so that's a big you know that's a big shift as well um, almost a thirty thousand dollar increase so um, the the other piece that I found really interesting was. They've also established a mechanism for automatically updating. And honestly, that, that's a relief to somebody in the HR field or to an employer because we don't want to be in this boat again, hmm. you know, 20 years from now where we've got a threshold that's, you know, way, way out of date. Yeah. You know, if we settled on that 47,000 and remain there, we'd be in this conversation again in again, the future. Yeah. So, so what they're doing is they're basically having an automatic review. I think it's every three years. Um, so there's a, there's a bump in 2020. Um, which sounds like eons away from now, but it's not no, that far. It'll, it'll increase <laughs> to something around fifty thousand. So, um, and then you know the other piece that's really different um, in terms of how we used to review jobs and duties, and then also specifically salary pieces for for you know compliance with this law, was we were really talking about the base salary. Um, and they're now including a, an amendment that we employers can now use non-discretionary bonuses and incentive payments, including commissions, hmm. to satisfy up to 10%. So there is a limit. You that can't be commission only, right, yeah. and satisfy this. But up to 10% 
um, of that can account for that new salary level. So that's helpful because that wasn't in play previously. So it's a wow. lot. It's there's a lot. A, so there's a lot going on. So <laughs> let's let's kind of go back a little bit. We were, before we were we started recording. I, yeah. was, I was telling you. You know, we didn't want to make this a political thing, uh, but there is yeah. there's people on both sides of this saying we need this or yeah. this is going to kill businesses, and I think both are yeah. very valid arguments. But if you look at the why, the yeah. wh- why we're even going down this road in the first place, yeah, why are we? Yeah, good question. It's a heck of a lot of change. And why can't you know? we? And my argument would be, why can't we have the market dictate it? Yeah, that's a good question. Em- employers. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the, you know, I actually did a little bit of research on this. I'm going to give you the the reason, the government's stated reason, so the department's stated reason. So mm-hmm. the department said essentially we seek to, to update, we're seeking to update the salary level to ensure that the law's intended overtime protections are fully implemented to simplify the identification of overtime eligible employees and essentially making the white collar exemptions easier for employers and workers to understand. Um, whether it's spelled out in that statement or not, there, there was a real intention to ensure that the salary threshold was updated for inflation, that there's a system for ensuring that it doesn't lag going forward. Um, the pro side, I mean, the folks that support it, um, you know, and actually I, I'm at heart one of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, with some caveats around that that I'll share in a minute. We, I, it's not uncommon for me to see somebody at a $28,000 salary you know, where they're making $28,000 um, and they're working, you know, 60 hours a week. Um, this happens a lot. Um, so, you know, there's this sense that, you know, in, in an hourly world, every hour I work is worth something. And that if I'm going to go above and beyond 40 hours or, you know, in some states, eight hours a day or what have you, mm-hmm. that that time is, is worth more. So that time and a half overtime rule. But there's a whole group of folks that are on the lower salary end that haven't had the advantage of having that time and a half, you know, payment for anything above 40, anything Absolutely. above eight or whatever yeah. it is by state. So I think it does create a, a uh, it adjusts for a sure. lot of time having passed and having had no shift in that, you know, yeah. or not a, not a significant shift in that salary. So that's, that makes sense. You yeah, know, time I, is money. <laughs> to me, uh, and I, I totally see those points. And it, to me, I'm, I'm sort of looking at this, like the reason why maybe it, it was so unfair before yeah. is there's so much gray area there is. involved in this. There and is. I always, I always make this analogy because I think it's an easy one and I love football is the reason why I like the NFL, yeah. why we love football, why people in America love football is yeah. because the rules are the same for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You're that's true. out of bounds or you're not. And yeah. it's like, there's no, in football and in other sports, there's no gray area. Right. It's either you know, you yeah. win or you lose. You did that penalty or you didn't yep. do that penalty. And, you know, when you start getting into business and these regulations, if there's any ounce of gray area, I think that's where it makes it confusing. And then yeah. employers yep. could could be on the edge of that gray area. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where we were at. And so having those having those rules defined a little bit better yeah. is, I think, so important. It is. And, it, you know, it's, uh, it's funny you say that. Although, you know, as a complete <laughs> incompetent, I have no idea about football, but I imagine. It, yeah, bottom line I, I know it exists, rules right? Are, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, rules are rules. But at the end of the day, you know, and probably you would agree, um, that the referee yeah. 
can determine whether or not somebody is out. Yeah, right. Until we have, you know, video playback and play, right? Um, But essentially for years, that's what's been going on. So whether the referee is an employment attorney or an HR professional or often managers trying to navigate these very complex duties tests. Yeah, the duties tests that are the other portion of this or one of the other portions of determining whether somebody qualifies or not. It's it's up to the referee, mm-hmm. um, and so my interpretation of how much independence you have in your job, how much um, you know flexibility you have to make decisions, um, may vary very much from the you know the employee that I'm assessing. So yeah. um, I think that this the salary adjustment does make it much more clear. You know, if you if you don't meet this basic salary, you don't qualify. Period. End of story. The flip side, you asked me to kind of play devil's advocate, <laughs> yeah. and I'm seeing this. You know, as somebody who actually supports an adjustment, I'm I'm living this right now with a lot of my nonprofits that are very budget bound, and frankly, a lot of my for-profit clients. You know, that also are living within a very you know um, monetarily you know limited Distrapped, scope. Yeah, yeah to provide people with salaries, they want to provide a living wage. And yet, you know, the reality is, you know, that they have had, they've had a need for people to work maybe 50 hours a week and be paid $40,000, you know, for a salary. Um, And that, that hike then to a 47,000 is, is a huge burden if you're talking about multiple Well, and that's why, like, I, that's why I'm more of a, you know, this about me, I'm more of a market oriented person. You are indeed. So when, when you have that sort of situation coming up, it's, it's, it's to me, wages should be sort of relative to sort of what you bring in yeah. and it's going to yeah. vary business to business industry to industry and it's when when you have these sort of blanket approaches to to laws about yeah. wages in particular it I don't know it just it seems like for, especially for a nonprofit or yeah. somebody maybe doesn't have a lucrative industry you know I'm yeah. thinking of somebody outside of the financial sector or something where maybe revenues Profits aren't plentiful, and yeah. and something like this could really impact, a, especially a small business. Absolutely, absolutely. So they're either faced with, you know, essentially continuing the exempt status, which means hiking a salary up, right? That's mm-hmm. one of your choices. Or they're faced with, you know, the alternative, which is to basically go to that exempt employee and say, you're no longer exempt from overtime. So now we have to pay you overtime if you work over X amount of hours, you know, in a week or in a day, 40 hours, let's say here in Oregon. So essentially, you know, at that point in time, they become an hourly employee. And of course, most employers, when you look at the pure dollars for time and a half, they're going to say, so now we're going to either, you know, limit your weeks to 40 hours. But if that person had been working 50 hours a week, that's 10 hours. And what if they're a super high performer too? Yeah, exactly. But yet their budget's constraining them to only let them work. Yeah, so that's a huge dilemma. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a challenge, you know. And again, it's... um, there's other pieces to this in terms of, you know, I, I am less of a, uh, I, I'm not a wage and hour geek. I don't, I don't really, you know, get excited it, about let's this. Let's leave it to right? the attorneys <laughs> right? for that. Right. But we, so, can, we can put our opinion all day long on this kind yes. of stuff. And, and, yeah. You, you have know. all kinds of HR folks that are, yeah. are very um, compensation, you know, focused or, or very savvy with, you know, uh, very complex things like math that, you know, I don't understand, but I do understand people at the end of the day. So for me, you know, what I want to mention also is that, you know, I'm less, I'm less watching this myself personally from a, oh my goodness, this is going to have a massive financial impact. That's certainly true. It's pretty obvious to me. But I also am really going to be interested to watch how it pans out on an emotional level. Because if you're mm. coming to somebody who has been a salaried employee for the past, you know, five years with your company and you're saying, Brandon, you know, unfortunately, this legal change, you know, we're going to have to make some adjustments. We can't afford to bump your salary up to, you know, the, the new threshold. 
Um, you're now a non-exempt hourly employee. I need you to start keeping track of your hours via time card. Oof. I need you to limit your work week to 40 hours a week. I need you to make sure you're taking a lunch, you know, and, and also taking some breaks, you know, throughout the day. Um, and you know, you're, you're no longer considered a salaried employee. Yeah. Um, again, there's all kinds of benefits to that. We should be eating lunch. We should be taking sure. a break, right? But That's healthier. But it's forced. But it's forced. You know, and, and it has and to happen at certain times yeah, in your day. We in the HR industry, <laughs> we talk about the work-life balance all the time. Yeah. And it, you know, I remember starting my career in, in hourly and then going to salary. And it's, yeah. it's funny when you go to salary, you have so much more flexibility. Like if yeah. I had an appointment, I could just, you know, yeah, just leave. Yeah. And I know I'm going to be either working at night or making yeah. it up somehow. Yeah. And so there's a lot of flexibility throughout the day. Maybe an hourly employee that wouldn't folks are have. Losing. Yeah. I, you know, I would go a step further and say, and I'm always amazed by this because I've had many conversations when even prior to all this, when we realized in anal- you know, analyzing a job description, somebody didn't didn't fit the bill. They yeah. were misclassified. We had to go to them and say, I'm sorry, you're oh, really gosh. an hourly employee. It's interesting. Many employees feel like it's a blow to their esteem, like yeah, something's being weird. taken away. It's not just the flexibility or the the uh, onus of having to track time. It's, you know, you're no longer part of this salaried elite yeah. class. Yeah. You know, that's no, not I how I look at it, but the, people I think, people that think is that the way. perception, Molly. Yeah, it's, I um, agree. It, Salary people are an elite, but yeah. to, to your early point, why this law is coming into effect yeah. is those people have been taken advantage of exactly. to a, to a exactly. certain extent. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a blanket generalization. Yeah, but. no, but one that I you know I certainly see happen. So I think you know the 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 care and the concern around how to communicate this is is well warranted. Yeah. We've actually um, Dan provided us years ago with a a really nice letter that would back up a conversation that you're having with employees around how this works. Because you want to do document the change and, and make sure they're clear about keeping track of hours, things like that. There's all kinds of you know alternatives that are out there um, you know that, that you can possibly play with around kind of flexible work weeks so people don't feel like they're losing some of that flexibility yeah. piece because work-life balance is really critical to most of us as well. But as we focus on the big changes, there's some things that we were expecting that didn't happen that yeah. you know are are going to be kind of interesting to see play out. So again, we were expecting the duties to be reassessed as well. That didn't happen. Um, and honestly, many of us were expecting a much higher, much threshold. higher threshold and then a faster timeline. So a lot of attorneys... Yeah, it seemed and, like this drug out forever, didn't it? Well, it drug out forever, and we were hearing it was going to be going into effect in July. So this is kind of a relief oh. that we have until December to play with things yeah. and look at it and make sure that we're, you know, we're kind of balanced. I want to hone in approach. on that, the word play. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I do feel like... To a certain extent, that's what's going to happen. You're sort of going to have to like figure out case, yeah. on a case by case basis. Like you'll dive, you'll dive into this, but yeah, one of the first steps should probably be let's take a, a salary affected? report. Yeah, yeah. Who's so af- who's affected? Yeah, so first step for our employers is is really to run a, a payroll report of the the employees that are currently classed as exempt from overtime. So mm. the salaried folks in your company, anybody who is making less than that forty seven thousand four hundred and seventy six dollars per year they're going to be affected, right? So by December 1st, we either have to give them a bump to that amount or in, in salary and keep them as exempt employees, or more commonly, what's going to happen is people are going to become non-exempt hourly employees. So, so for those yeah. listening, let's pay attention to this part. Yeah. This is Molly's giving you some good tidbits on what to do next. Yeah. So let's just restate that. So first good step would be to identify your identify your, your people affected and folks, the best yeah. way to do that export maybe a, a report from your payroll yeah. system yep. and then 
maybe sort or flag the ones that are over that yep. 47 or 76 under, threshold. Yeah, so anybody who is making $47,475 and, <laughs> and below yeah, good who point. is exempt. Yeah. So $47,475 or yeah. lower. Yeah. And would it be anybody hourly and salary or just the just, salary? Good point. Yeah, no, your hourly okay. folks are fine. So if they are if they are non-exempt, meaning they are already not included under FLSA yeah. in that exempt class, you don't have to worry about it. But if they are being classed as salaried or, uh, you know, and we're not talking about salaried non-exempt. I'll explain that in a minute. But mm -hmm. basically, if we're being paid on a salary only, they're not keeping track of their time, okay. you know, then and they're making less than the threshold, those are the folks we're honing okay. in on. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's where we start. And then we really think about how we want to class that. And I mentioned this idea of salaried non-exempt. I've never been a massive fan of that. Um, although I think <laughs> we've done that at Zenium for years, where basically yeah. we're paying people who are hourly on a salaried, salaried basis, basis, but they're still keeping a time card. Yep. They're still, you know, paid overtime. That's the most critical piece is that, you know, if somebody who is in that salaried non-exempt role, um, mm -hmm. you know, works overtime, then they're paid, being paid overtime. I'm not, again, a huge fan of that. Um, I think it does, our payroll team would be howling at me because I think it does create some consistency from a payroll standpoint. But at the end of the day, you're still tracking your time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's still, a, you know, an element we need to look at as well. So, so yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's the administrative burden too on this piece. And I'm actually a colleague, Susie, pointed that out as well. And I wasn't even thinking about that, but it's a whole shift for companies that have just been kind of paying everybody across the board a salary, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of, of how many hours they work. There's a, now a whole piece of this around, you know, timekeeping and, you know. Yeah, I, I can actually see it in a couple different ways. First off would be this initial, like, figure out who's affected, make adjustments as needed, yeah. and you'll keep talking about that. But then the second part would be building a system around tracking this yeah. uh, going yeah. forward. And then third, and more importantly, a compensation philosophy long term. I agree. Yes, yeah, Susie raised that as well, and that's yeah, that's the uh, the weakness of a of a an emotional HR, yeah. <laughs> an emotional HR employee relations. Well, we have to be worrying about stuff. Yeah, like this. yeah, exactly. But I need, this didn't even occur to me. Yeah. But it makes sense, and we've got you know a whole compensation division you know on our team here at Zenium that would be thinking about this too. But you know, if the the approach is, let's say we have for example somebody who is making. 45,000, you know, a, a currently exempt employee, we want to keep them exempt because they work way too many hours for it to be viable for us to pay them time and a half. So we bump them. Let's say they're a relatively new hire. Maybe they're, they're a recent college graduate. They don't even have a lot of experience under their belt yet necessarily. So we're going to take them, my solution as an employer is to take them from 45,000 to 48,000, which matches the new threshold, right? And I completely forget that their manager who is a long-tenured, seasoned employee with lots of experience is making fifty thousand. Wow. So there's a two thousand dollar dental or delta, rather not dental, <laughs> that's separate, but delta between you know the salary of the direct report and the salary of the manager. I mean that basically is wage compression. It's going to create a big issue for us, you know, down the road. So it just it it makes some you know there's some complications to just saying let's just raise everybody's salaries as well because we got to think about all the folks who are not getting that mm -hmm. raise and where does that leave them to? So. so as far as like what employers should be doing next, we've obviously talked about running the report, making adjustments as needed. So what, yeah. let's hone in on the adjustment piece real quick. What are, what are a couple options? 
So we either make them, I mean, the most standard, and maybe I'm missing some. So yeah, that's why we have great experts here within Zenium. Yeah, the and two also most, yeah, attorneys two most obvious. as well. Yeah, attorneys Zenium, are great yeah. resources for this. But the two most obvious options are to either increase the salary to meet the new threshold um, so they can remain exempt from overtime, you know, stay a salaried employee, or to, you know, to alternately um, reclassify them as non-exempt employees. Yep. Um, and essentially, you know, that, that piece makes them an hourly employee. They're tracking Absolutely. time, they're but, subject to overtime. But to your point earlier, that's the more complex decision because yeah. they've got to meet those duties. Yeah, and yeah. And there are, we could probably find some resources and post this online for folks too, but there are actually um, resources that are out there for calculating what that would look like. So okay. taking somebody's salary, calculating an hourly rate, yep. you know. The harder part though, and one of the nice things that's, that's you know, beneficial to an employer around a longer implementation timeline is some of us have no clue how much our, our team is working overtime. So taking a month or two and looking at that mm -hmm. um, piece around, you know, how many hours is Brandon working of overtime, tracking that for a month or two would be really helpful because we've got to know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, if we're not tracking hours, and, and I'm not saying we're tracking that necessarily having them do a time card. We don't want to jeopardize the exempt status right now as it stands, but being aware of how many hours of overtime an employee would be working or how many hours they're putting in um, you know, at that exempt level is, is helpful when you're looking at whether to go one way or the other on this. So we're, we're running along, we probably need to wrap up, yeah. but unintended consequences, do you see any of those? I, I do, I do. I mean, I think, you know, the, the wage compression piece um, from a very kind of logical standpoint, I think um, the other piece is, you know, the, the obvious um, emotional impact on employees that I've mentioned as well, um, you know, between either losing that status or, you know, if other, other folks are getting bumps and other people are remaining at the same threshold because they're above the new threshold, um, you know, how do, we, how do we walk through that piece? Um, of course, the unintended consequences on the budget, you know, yeah. companies, you know, profitability, or if it's a nonprofit, just our, our pure ability to manage the workload and the finances at the same time are, are going to be pretty complex. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what happens. I'm sure we're going to hear stories about yeah. whether it's helped or hurt and... Yeah, it'll do both. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it will absolutely help, you yeah. know, and certainly, certainly if you can frame it up for those folks that are moving to that non-exempt status that this is essentially making sure that we're paying you overtime for all the hours that you're working you know that that we're adjusting for that we're taking we're taking care of you financially i mean it truly is a financial benefit it's the how do we how do we square that off with you know an impact to the company and then also an impact to them in terms of flexibility and, and managing their hours but there's pluses and minuses on both sides absolutely well this has been awesome molly um and I appreciate you doing the emergency podcast <laughs> on such a quick turn. Uh, I think people will appreciate it. And, and we've actually had listeners reach out and say, hey, can you can you update us on this? So it was actually kind of funny. All that happened at the same time yeah, uh, yeah. where the, the laws actually came out. And then you were prepared because you were not it's, patiently waiting. I was not patient. I was impatiently waiting. And I have always wanted to be a first responder. So this, this makes my day. Awesome. <laughs> Um, we'll put links and resources up on, on our uh, show notes and uh, anything else you want to mention before we, we part ways? No, other than, you know, I think really um, to avoid a panic situation, if you're feeling panicky, you know, really reaching out to your resources. There's a ton of work being done in the legal community by employment attorneys, you know, as Brandon mentioned, 
Um, and certainly, you know, the team here at Zenium stands ready to support you as well. But, you know, we'll work through it. We've got time to think through it. And it's so recent that there's going to be a lot that'll come out in coming weeks and months even around strategies and, and thought process behind this. So we'll get through it. Don't anybody panic. The sky is not falling. Molly, appreciate it. And, and for the listener, thank you so much for the download. If you liked what you heard, go on iTunes, give us a review if, if you don't mind, and, and definitely share with people in the HR community. I think yeah. people could really value from this podcast. So if you, if you don't mind sharing, we'd appreciate that. But again, Molly, thank you. It was Thanks, a lot of fun. Brandon. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.